Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Friday, August 6th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, uh, big day for the Indians yesterday. Uh, not necessarily on the field, but uh, before they ever took the field, uh, we will get into the, the deal that's close to being struck between the city of Cleveland, state of Ohio, and uh, the Cleveland Indians franchise uh, a little bit later. But first, I wanted to talk about last night's game. The Indians lose 3 nothing in their uh, road trip finale up in Toronto. They're heading home uh, from Canada. They'll, they'll be at the park tonight to take on Detroit. But uh, the, the end of that series did not go the way the, the Indians probably would have hoped. Uh, they were looking for a split against Toronto, one of the teams that they're chasing in the, the second wildcard uh, race there. Uh, it didn't happen, and now uh, things are looking bleak in terms of the, the club's uh, playoff chances yeah joe wasn't it was not a good it was wasn't a good trip overall you know they played well in chicago but lost two out of three and uh they go to toronto they win the first game five to two you're thinking okay they've got a chance maybe even to win this series but then they lose three straight and uh except for an you know that offensive uh surge in in the second game when they scored six runs late uh, they really haven't done much offensively, and and last night they wasted a you know really a, a strong performance by Tristan McKenzie, seven innings, three runs, five hits, no walks, four Ks. Uh, you know he was at the top of his game. He just couldn't get Bo Bichette out. Right, uh, and and you look at the the pitching that the Indians have thrown out there the last uh, at least this turn through the rotation, uh, the young guys Eli Morgan, uh, Cal Quantrill, uh, Tristan McKenzie are really, really stepping forward and, and really, you know, uh, sort of representing themselves well. Uh, the only one who's really struggling is J.C. Mejia. And we, you, you talked a little bit about how, uh, you know, this, his time might be short in the, uh, in the rotation. Yeah, I asked, uh, you know, um, uh, DeMarlo Hale last night, you know, you know, when do you reach a point of diminishing returns with this guy? When are you, uh, you know, hurting him more than helping him by sending him back out there you know, every five days. And he said, you know, you know, we're in a stretch of 20 games right now, 20 games in 20 days. Uh, you know, I, I haven't been told, you know, I, he hasn't really looked at the options, but you know, the, the indication was the options aren't really good to replace him. And this guy, Mejia is stretched out to throw 80 to 90 pitches. 
So right now, until he was told differently, you know, he's, he's in the rotation, Joe. And I think, you know, any other time, any other season, you know, uh, JC Mejia would have been sent down by now. I mean, he gives up, what he gave up eight runs in two and the third innings, uh, 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 in, uh, you know, on, uh, what's Wednesday night. And, you know, that's been the, you know, he hasn't won, he really hasn't pitched well, you know, in, in, in his last six starts, I think he's got like a 12 something ERA. It's just, right. you know, and you know, what, what Tito said, you know, Tito Francona used to say, you know, there, there's, there's a fine line between uh, developing and getting a guy beat up. And I think we're at that line with uh, Mejia. I don't know if this is doing him much good. All right. Uh, on the other side of the coin, you know, Tristan McKenzie, who, looked completely lost at the beginning of the season and early on in the season. Now in his last three or four starts has really come back and, and looks like he's starting to figure things out. Yeah. Um, McKenzie, you know, first, you know, this, he tied a career high with last night's uh, seven innings. First time all year, he didn't walk a batter. This was a guy who, you know, was walking the ballpark, you know, for, for much of his, uh, you know, 15, 16 starts with the Indians. So, and he's, you know, he's just got a little better control of the strike zone, it looks like. It doesn't look like he's, you know, overpowering people. I mean, he's he's not trying to strike out, you know, he's not getting nine or ten strikeouts. But he's still, you know, he's, he looks like he has more control of the strike zone. He's, he's uh, you know, he's pitching to the bottom of the zone. He's, you know, he's moving the ball around. So that was an encouraging start. Everything except they didn't win. <laughs> yeah, the offense did not show up. I think with McKenzie... Uh, it's encouraging a uh, couple of at bats that I saw last night where, you know, it was all set up by the fastball command. When he locates his fastball, his secondary pitches are they're, they're, he, he's got a really good curveball and he, he uses it effectively. I, I just really like the fact that when you see him hitting his spots uh, with the fastball, you know, that he's, he's at an advantage over that hitter. He's, he, he can, he can attack a guy with his secondary pitches. Uh, a lot easier when his, his fastball command is there. Yeah, he, he was throwing, uh, I think, uh, you know, baseball savant said, you know, he threw 56 four-seam fastballs, you know, so he's, that was his dominant pitch. And then he came back with, you know, like change-ups and, and, and I mean, I'd curve, like the curveballs and breaking balls. So, you know, I think you're, you're right, Joe. He was, he was really leaning on his fastball and that set everything else up. All right. Uh, offensively, you know, like you mentioned, we saw the other night the the six run outburst in the in the late innings. But as far as you know, anything else from these these guys, uh, we're we're going to see this pattern uh, through the remaining two months of the season. Uh, the Owen Millers and the Oscar Mercados and the, even the Bobby Bradleys uh, are going to have go through games where you know it, it's going to be a struggle up there for them. And it's not like you know Russ uh, Russ Stripling was was doing anything out of the ordinary. He was, you know, he's not a guy who's an overpowering dominant kind of pitcher, but uh, he was effective against the young hitters last night. Yeah. He, you know, and, you know, I think uh, you've got to remember that Jose Ramirez and uh, Miles Straw weren't in the lineup. They were, I was told they were, they were given the day off for turf management. (laughs) I guess they didn't want want them playing on uh, well, and I can see that too. Days in a row on the on the turf at Rogers Yeah, Roberto Center. Roberto Perez the same way. You know, if you can save him a day on his back on that turf, yeah, go ahead. But yeah, and, yeah, yeah, that lineup but, wasn't. Yeah, yeah, that that lineup wasn't going to scare too many people, and uh, you know they they were held to three hits, shut out. I think for the maybe the seventh or eighth time this season, and uh, 
you know, and you're right. Stripling was, you know, he was, he's the kind of pitcher that, that has given the Indians problems all year. You know, yeah, he, he relied on his fastball, but he threw a lot of breaking balls, a lot of change-ups. He changed speeds. He went north and south on them. And, you know, these guys just, they, you know, they were confused. They were off balance. And, and we've seen that happen time and time again with guys, with pitchers who have breaking balls and change-ups. You know, they give the Indians fits. And they give well, young hitters fits, and I think that's what we're seeing with this lineup. Well, speaking of giving the Indians fits, we alluded to it earlier, but Miguel Cabrera and the Detroit Tigers now come to town to open a three-game series uh, this weekend at Progressive Field. Miguel Cabrera sitting, uh, what, 55 hits short of 3,000 for his career uh, and two home runs short of 500, the, the two magical benchmark numbers that automatically get you into the Hall of Fame. I think uh, – I think Miguel Carrera was an automatic Hall of Famer anyways before this, but uh, once he eclipsed those two numbers, probably sometime early next season with the, uh, with the hits total, unless he goes on a tear here. But uh, once, he, once he eclipses those two numbers, you got to start thinking not just automatic Hall of Famer, but first ballot type guy, you know, uh, first ballot unanimous type guy, if he can, if he can get it up there. Uh, Cabrera has just killed the Indians throughout his career. Yeah, he's got, he has 50 home runs against the Indians. That's 10% of his, of the 498 home runs he's hit, he's hit against the Indians. And, you know, and, and it's not like he's beaten up on, uh, you know, the fourth and fifth and sixth starters uh, on the Indians. Corey Kluber has given up six home runs to, to uh, um, Cabrera. That's the second most, that's, that's the second most by he's hit against a pitcher. So, uh, you know, this is, this I'll, is bet you, you know, I'll bet you I, Bauer gave up quite a few to him as well. Yeah. And, and this is not, you know, obviously Miguel is uh, Cabrera isn't the hitter. He was, you know, when he won back-to-back MVPs in the triple crown in, in 2012 and 2013, you know, injuries have slowed him down, but he's still a dangerous guy and he still loves to hit it at progressive field. He's hit 26 home runs here. Uh, tied for the most in the visiting ballpark. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a chance to see history this weekend, Joe. I mean, the last, there's, I, I looked it up. Yeah, two guys have hit uh, 500, their 500 home run in Cleveland. Babe Ruth in, two, in 1929 at League Park and uh, Ted Williams, the uh, splendid splinter on June 17th, 1960 at the old stadium. So, you know, we've seen this before, but it doesn't happen. This is like Haley's Comet. It comes around maybe once every 60 years or something. Yeah, yeah very interesting. Uh, as, as Terry Francona is, you know, is prone to saying when, when you ask him about something like this before a series starts, uh, you know, you ask him, hey, Miguel, Miguel Cabrera is coming into town, sitting on 498 home runs. You know, uh, Tito would probably say something to the effect of, yeah, we'd like to see him still on 498 home runs when he leaves town. <laughs> Uh, that's the, that, that's the goal. The goal is to have him, uh, you know, uh, get it against the next guy, I guess, is the, the, the goal there. Yeah, so. That's what, that's what DeMarlo Hale said, Joe. He said, uh, oh. you know, when I see him, I'm going to congratulate him, but I hope he doesn't do it against us. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so we'll look forward to it, uh, there at progressive field. Hey, speaking of progressive field, uh, a lot of news yesterday, uh, big news coming out of, uh, the city of Cleveland and progressive field and the Indians. Uh, the, 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 those two parties, plus, uh, the state of Ohio, they had the governor Mike DeWine there as well. 
uh, close to striking a $435 million uh, agreement to extend the lease 15 years right now up front with the option uh, for the city and the state to pick up five years each after that. Uh, so it could be a 25 year lease extension to keep the Indians in Cleveland and really just reinvest money in the ballpark uh, tax dollars that are already there that wouldn't increase taxes for, uh, you know, the Cleveland residents or, or the Ohio residents, but, but really the, the money is going to go towards in making an investment in the ballpark and updating it and making it a more modern place for the Indians to play. Yeah, a big, a big announcement, Joe, and it was, you know, I think everyone knew it was coming. You know, Paul Dolan said, you know, when people were wringing their hands and uh, pulling their hair out about the team uh, moving, uh, possibility of the team moving, he said this way back in March that we, they were going to get a deal done that would keep the Indians here for multiple years. Uh, and I think the big thing here, Joe, uh, the governor, uh, Mike DeWine, got involved and in, in kicked in state money. Uh, like $30 million over the first uh, 15 years of the, of the lease was the two options are, are up to the uh, Cuyahoga County and the city. Mm -hmm. So they can pick up the options. So really, you know, DeWine wanted a longer lease. And, and in this way, like you said, it's almost a 25 year lease. If, the, you know, if the city and the county decide to pick up those options and, you know, I, I would think they would. Yeah, I, I mean, essentially, it's you've got the Indians for 25 years if you if you want them. That's the, the only way that they're leaving town is if the the city or the state decides that they don't want to pick up those options. That's and that's I can't see that happening in, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so we talk about the money, and I guess the big question for an Indians fan, uh, just a casual observer, is how is this going to affect the team on the field? I, I follow the team. I, I cover the team. I want to know what's what differences am I going to see? Is, is there going to be an impact there? And and really, it's it's sort of the long play here. It's a trickle down thing. It's not like you're going to see thirty million dollars invested in the payroll right away, and they can sign free agents. That's not how this works. Yeah, right. Uh, the, uh, it, you know, the, all the money supposedly is you know the money that's coming. You know, the Indians are putting up what ten ten point five a year, so. Mm -hmm you know, 150 million over the course of the first 15 years. And, you know, the county, the city and the state are, you know, haven't thrown in their, their that, you know, their share of the money. It's all going toward the ballpark, uh, toward increasing, you know, improving the facility, uh, you know, new locker room. Uh, I think they're going to, you know, uh, the Terrace Club is going to be, you know, I guess remodeled or not remodeled, but maybe done away with and just completely uh, reimagined from the right. Yeah, that that's, that's the word I was looking for. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, and just to attract more fans and, 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 and players to, to attract players. And it sounded like uh, the improvements would start in the first five years of the deal. Now, I don't know when exactly that happens, but, you know, obviously they're going to have to be doing a lot of work this winter to sign, to change all the signage at the mm -hmm. ballpark to, to go from Indians to guardians. Right. Yeah. So I can imagine a lot of that work getting started as soon as the, you know, the final out of the season is, is played. Uh, we're going to see, uh, let's talk about the Terrace club. You, you mentioned that right, right there. The, the ballpark's 27 years old. When the Terrace club opened, it was a neat new thing to have a fancy restaurant down the left field line 
a, a white linen dining experience and it was you know sort of the the, the, the cool sort of aspect of it uh, that is an, uh, an obsolete model in terms of what uh, the the fan experience is now in major league baseball they basically they don't need the terrace club anymore yeah and uh, you know I think we saw that you know with the corner you know with the the dawn of the corner bar in, in right field all that that area there people want to you know be able to walk through and and uh, have I guess more of a I don't know what you know just kind of like a move you'll be able I'm to thinking, move. I'm thinking like a club experience man like put a disco out there and, and just have like a <laughs> dance party every game if they want the if they want the millennials and the the 25 year olds dollars man put a put a discotheque out there in left field and and let it be thumping during a game that'd be pretty cool I, I don't know but <laughs> Uh, from from what I'm seeing, they're going to open it up, and they're going to also uh, reinvest and, and remodel the the upper concourse, which is something they haven't done in in any of the the, the times that they've addressed ballpark needs. Uh, that upper concourse is going to get completely remodeled and, and redone as well. Yeah, and uh, you know this is what one of the oldest ballparks in uh, in the big leagues. It doesn't seem that way to us. It nope. seems still brand new because they've taken such great care of it. But it is and uh, is one of the, uh, you know, the oldest ballparks in the, in, in the, in the big leagues. And, uh, you know, the really the, the locker rooms and the training facilities haven't been uh, touched since the ballpark opened. So I think I, I would say, think some renovation, some major renovation will take place in there. That's how you attract players. You know, that's how you keep players. And, uh, and Joe, we were talking about this, um, the money uh, that the Indians would have originally used to, perhaps, uh, you know, privately fund those, those rent or improvements can't, can't, will that be able to be used now to keep a guy like Shane Bieber or, or extend, uh, Jose Ramirez's contract? Yeah. So if you've got $30 million coming in from those three different resources from the team, the city and the, and the state over the next, you know, 15 years, uh, that's going to help you sort of reallocate the funds that you would have normally spent to, to improve your clubhouse, to, to uh, you know, make the facilities for your analytics team uh, more, you know, I, I don't know, more attractive to a free agent. Uh, a guy like Miles Straw came over from Houston, and he comes over from the Shangri-La of analytics, and you know, they, the resources that they've dumped into that whole aspect. Uh, for a guy like Miles Straw, for him to want to stick around here in Cleveland, if if they want him, uh, you know, you've got to you've got to make it worth his while with, with the, you know, hitting cages that I, I heard, I saw something about a, a shared batting cage uh, and that they would flip the, the visiting clubhouse and the, the home clubhouse. Uh, so the Indians would be out of the, the first base uh, dugout instead of the, the third base dugout. That's a, wow. a possibility of, of what they're looking at. So uh, yeah, that would, all that is, is in play and, and could be coming. Uh, I think, just it, it's exciting to, to think about what they can do in terms of keeping the talent that they have with with a little bit of that extra money uh, to invest in the payroll and, you know, attracting other guys, attracting free agents that that might be the case. Yeah. And, you know, Chris Antonetti has said the uh, payroll will, will increase next year. Uh, I don't know uh, by how much, but I mean, it couldn't get any smaller. That's for sure. Right. Right. But uh or I guess he could get lots. It could. It could. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah. So we'll see how this goes. But I think it's it's just a good move for the city, the team, the county, and the state. And uh, you know, it just you know 
you can put all those rumors to rest for finally, you know, for the next 15 years or whatever. Yeah, the bottom line is the Indians aren't going anywhere for a good long time. I'll tell you what, the 27 years that ballpark's been open. I was 18 when that ballpark opened, Hoinsey. That's how old <laughs> this is. So Jeez, just, to, man, just to give you a feel, I was, I was 18 years old, a senior in high school when that ballpark opened. So, uh, yeah, and there's, uh, there's a lot going on, and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see as this deal moves through not just City, uh, city of Cleveland Council, because they need to sign off on it, You've also got uh, a mayoral election. So uh, Frank Jackson won't be the one who's sort of overseeing this. It, it, it'll be his successor. Yeah. Right. Uh, and and even, even Mike DeWine, you know, might not be around very much longer, but uh, uh, in terms of politically, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying anything else, but uh, yeah, should be interesting to see. And we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on it. All right. Uh, Hoynes will be at the ballpark tonight to open the series. We'll be back on Monday to uh, break it all down and, and look forward to uh, uh, Oakland coming in after that, or actually Cincinnati. Yeah. We got, yeah, we got Cincinnati a, for one and then Oakland. Yeah. Cincinnati for a, a makeup game on Monday. So we will talk to you then on the Cleveland baseball talk podcast. All right, Joe.